Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show, where ordinary heroes tell extraordinary stories during unique and never been heard before conversations with your host, Hillary Arno Burns. Hillary's unique listening and way of asking questions results in conversations that aren't usually talked about. So you can create the life that you really want, but are afraid you can't really have. We are demonstrating the greatness in the human spirit and creating a world where we all reclaim our birthright of joy, happiness, purpose, and passion. Now, here's your host, Hilary Arno Burns. Welcome to the Getting Real with Hillary show, where we, today, we are going to have some real talk. It's like my newly published book is about, and I can't wait to introduce my guest. Um, so I'm just going to do it. Uh, Dr. Balin Ader, MD, we met about a year ago. Well, I'm already starting to cry in a course, in a master broadcasting course. And we have come from a podcast where you just hear us to a TV show, to a video show, to now live broadcasting. So Dr. Durr and I have been on the same path. We kind of took it at our own different speeds. We have arrived here together. I was a guest on her show last week, and today I am honored to have Dr. Balan Adur on my show. Um, Dr. Durr is a dynamic, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist with a fresh, transformative approach to improving the lives of children and families through better brain health and mind-body wellness. Her unique approach to and use of the healing intersection of traditional and alternative medicine and spiritual well-being provide clarity, understanding, and a way forward for your mind, body, healing. And today we have a bunch of topics, as you know, or maybe you don't, on the Getting Real with Hillary show, we cover things that people don't always talk about, where people get their greatness and inspire others with their ability to overcome obstacles and create lives that they love. So welcome, Dr. Valen A. Durer. Well, hello there, Hillary, how you doing? <laughs> great to see you again yeah yeah <laughs> all right well in our i call it bullpen when we were in the bullpen discussing uh what we were going to talk about today i learned some challenges and that uh can i call you balan or do you want me to call you dr durr Dr. Durr, the Dr. Durr, or or or, or Dr. Ballin, Dr. Durr, or Dr. Ballin, either one of those is fine. Dr. Ballin, or we'll just call her bad for Dr. Ballin and Durr. So anyway, she she we we I wanted her to start at the beginning. Um, what she told me was that being black or an African American, however you want to phrase it, in America, was constantly about overcoming, and she had some challenges growing up that she has overcome. And that she's not, you know, that she's willing to talk about. So which one would you like to start with? Your physical abuse? Or do you want to just give us a background where you were born, your brothers and sisters, stuff like that? So so first of all, of course, I want to say, you know, thank you for having me on the show. It's it's um it's 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 um, you know, good to share uh the platform with, you know, with 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 my with my sister broadcaster. And, uh, you know, I just love what, uh, what you do and what your, what your show is about. And, and let me say upfront why that is. The reason being is because really keeping it, um, or I should say getting real is really about being a truth teller. And, um, there is a lot of uh, I think influence and um, pressure, um, even coercion, uh, threats to be a part of the herd, to not be your, as I like to say, your unique, wonderful self. Um, other people say off your authentic self. So I think um, it uh, it takes it takes courage and it takes will 
and it takes tenacity and in, in, in order to uh, to be a truth teller. So, so, um, and I'm well, looking forward to your talking about your story. Well, you know, so, so, he, so here's the thing about that. I think, so here's, here's what I think. What I think is that, uh, is that, and, and you already introduced this. So number one, because my framework is also that I'm a spiritual being that inhabits this, this physical body that, the, that to me, what matters most is identity. And so that, that is who I am, that spiritual being that's in this vehicle, like a car, like a driver of a car, that, um, that's who I am and not my traumas, not my experiences, not my doings or what was done to me. So, you know, um, so yeah, so I, I, I'm certainly want to share more of who I am other than just my traumas. But the other part too is because my um, education, I started off as a sociologist, my degree, my bachelor's degree is in sociology and I have uh, a minor in African-American studies. I was a sociologist long before I ever became a psychiatrist. And so my lens I think is kind of somewhat unique given, given that along with my own experiences. So I said all this to say, and kind of even in the big context, um, I think that anyone that is considered to be quote unquote disadvantaged or a minority, which is uh, a mischaracterization, uh, um, is is in many ways the conscious of this country. Mm -hmm. uh, because how do you treat those who other people would consider lesser than or in a smaller minority or have um, a smaller voice because of numbers. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because how I grew up is very much a part of the influence to how I, how I came to, you know, into, in to that, those questions, that curiosity, the, the wanting to know, the wanting to understand. So, you know, I, you know, I, be, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in uh in Inglewood. And 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 for those who may not be familiar, Inglewood is definitely a really tough neighborhood. And I was um, you know, raised by a single mom who uh, my parents divorced when I was, you know, three. And my mom was really tough. Number one, she grew up with like six boy cousins and uncles, um, but she was also, um, and, and because of that, you know, we came up during a different time, both her and me, where sometimes you had to do what I call throw some hands, <laughs> meaning, meaning when folks come, you know, she would always say, don't start a fight, but you need to finish one, right? And so, you know, ba basically, you know, growing up, Inglewood is the hood, um, her her nickname was Peaches, and anybody that knows what, what that means, Peaches, yeah. What does when, it mean? Uh, you know, it's a it's a nickname that's it, I think is indic is is indicative of uh, of the I think both the substance I think also in the strength, but also the um. You know, I, I do think also some of the sweetness, but also, again, the, the strength and the swag, frankly, of, of being a, a strong African-American woman um, and also and also the beauty, frankly. Um, so so but it's not the phrase. We're not talking about a peach like a nectarine slash that kind of peach. I mean, it's the, the references to the references to that. And actually and actually, you know, my my. My mom's family is actually from Georgia, so you know we got the Georgia. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the Georgia okay. peaches. So, All right, good. That makes uh, sense. You know, and 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 you know, and there, you know, they call women, you know, you know, Georgia peaches, right? It's not just the fruit; it's also, you know, that's a term that they use to refer to women in okay. the American community. So, wow. Um, yeah. So, 
So what is so what does that mean? And I and I and I mean like you know we lived in um, well the hands you were talking about laying. Right. I was talking about throwing hands because we lived in a community where the that like gang members. Yeah, but throwing hands where you had to fight sometimes. And you know my mom was very much about if you hurt madam or hurt you. <laughs> so so that's what yeah she she did not play, and so where um, the 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 gifts that came from my mom were 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 about again about strength about courage and bravery and tenacity um and and also um and you know she's very intelligent very articulate um you know but a warrior but has a warrior's heart and and wait and, a warrior or a warrior i said war, war as in war warrior warrior okay okay i didn't warrior i first i thought you said worry but warrior, okay, no warrior. Wow, wow. Yeah, a warrior's heart, and you know she had a standard of excellence when it came to um, both uh, uh, academics, because I also have a sister, uh, academically, but also in terms of character. Again, you know, I grew up at a time where it was also about the community. It wasn't just about the individual parent, you know, it was about, again, it was the, it was about the village. There were all the other families. We, we moved out of there and moved to the, uh, to the, to suburb to the suburbs, but it was still, you know, it was miss this and Mr. That. And, you know, folks that, you know, that not all, it, they, they saw you too. <laughs> so you better be careful, make sure you weren't doing something you weren't supposed to be doing. Cause that meant, that meant your parents were going to get a phone call. Mm. <laughs> You know, so, so, but the other part of her, and, and let me say this too, it was also, again, because of her standard of excellence, my mom had, you know, had some college, but didn't finish her degree, but because of her standard of excellence, you know, my um, sister and I both went on and got bachelor's degrees. Uh, I, of course, I went on to medical school and got uh, an MD. My sister subsequently got a master's degree and was also um, um, re retired kind of recently, actually, as she was the vice president of corporate audits for Boeing. So, wow. right. And after my, sis after my sister and I both got our undergraduate degree, my mom went back, finished up her bachelor's, and got her master's degree. So yes, yes, that's, yes. That's 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 who we that's who we that's who we're talking about. Uh, in in terms of um, you know, in and uh, as you like to say, she's my mom is fierce. <laughs> it's, mm. she's amazing. She really, really, really is. Um, a a magnificent standard of of African American, um, you know, womanness, uh, yeah. and beauty intellect um and just and just and fierce and you know and very stylish tell me where do you think i get this, where i get this from <laughs> nice so but also then there is a legacy in our family and frankly in our community of physical abuse um and we you know we're we're and 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 so there was a lot of work that my mom and I had to do to, in terms of conversations over many years um, about this because it was really hard for her to hear. And um, the one of the things that came out in the conversations, and 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 I'm just want you to know it wasn't easy because the first time I brought this up with her, she actually kind of was like basically threatening to disown me if I brought it up again. It was, it was not, I don't want people to think it was an easy conversation. I don't want people to think that, um, uh, cause it was anything but, um, So she, but just when you say physical abuse, she hit you, hurt you, like what kind of things was she doing? We would get, we would get, we, we would get beatings with an extension cord. Cause that's what I call that. Wow. Right. Right. And the the so when you brought it up was she not aware of it did she just like what was her response right and that's, that's it's, so here's what i was going to say about that so that's yeah. that's also the, 
where I'm going with this is this is really a legacy of, and I want people to have this context and this understanding. It's a legacy of slavery. She didn't even realize, you know, over the course of the years of us having the conversation and finally getting to this place where um, she could talk about it. And it was because it was normal in her household. It was normal in her community. And so when something is normalized for you, you don't see that it's a problem. You don't know that it's a problem because it's happening at your house, but it's happening at the other houses around you in your in your community. And the thing that I think that people may not understand, because in no way am I making it right, okay? So number one, she's doing what was done to her. Right. Right? So she's been so she's been traumatized and 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 beaten. And so have the other kids that that around her age, you know, that she's growing up with. That's how they grew up and that's how their parents grew up. And so it's um and so again, so she's dealing with her own traumas too that she doesn't even necessarily know or recognize and doesn't know that this is not um that it is abuse, frankly. Right. Yeah, and I say this. See this when I say it's a oh, so I was when it's and when I say it's a carryover from. It, so I say it's a carryover from slavery because the other thing that people may not understand or know is that, as someone who's African American in this country, the the we're not really given much grace. Meaning that if we're perceived as doing something wrong or harmful, you know. Um, the retribution is swift and severe. To give you an example, even in today's times, how is it that uh, someone who, uh, you know, the alleged perpetrator of a mass shooting who's white can come out alive compared to someone who's African-American who doesn't have a gun, who, who um, therefore is not necessarily threatening that way, but the perception by law enforcement is that they're a threat and, 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 and therefore they end up killed, even if they have no weapon, even if they're right. running, even if, so you see what I'm saying? The standard is yeah. entirely different. So part of why parents did, part of why African-American parents did that is because they're trying to get you to keep you from getting killed. Not okay. Mm -hmm. Not not okay to do it that way. I want to be clear. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm explaining the reasons why. Because especially when you operate from a place of living in a society that sees you as inferior and that's all and always and a, and a competitor that's coming at you to keep you from getting access to resources and or wants to use you as a resource, i.e. your labor then there are all these things that are done to keep you in place, including physical violence, right? The rest of America is, you know, start ex experiencing domestic terrorism in a way that they never have, but the way we as African-Americans have experienced since, be since before we were brought here. So it's, it's, it's a perpetuation and a persistence of that and parents who are trying to survive and live every day who don't necessarily have much bandwidth to, to do a whole lot of explaining and a whole lot of talking, especially if they've been explaining and talking to you before and you're not respons responding, and then they in can end up going to physical violence to get you to stop because you're not hearing me. And I don't want you harmed. I want you rested. I don't want you dead. So again, not okay, but just to kind of give you a historical context and understanding. Right where of where that legacy comes from so good for you for interrupting that cycle and for having the courage to discuss it with your mother you know i mean you could have just perpetuated it that was normal obviously you didn't um so that that what had you 
made you willing? I mean, I know you have a background in psychiatry and all that, but what made you willing to go to her and say, hey, we need to talk about this? What? Well, because, I'm a, what? Because, because I'm a big bad. And then the reason that's what I said. When I say that, because I'm a truth teller. Okay. I'm a truth teller, you know, and, and, and I say, you know, and I told you that, you know, before one of my, actually one of my, my friends who was in ministry, he would call me a, that's calling the ishter, shitster, you know, and that's because that, that, and, and, you know, that's in terms of saying ish, um, that's, 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 and so you have to, so number one, you have to have courage to tell the truth, um, both to yourself and, you know, so I had to have courage to tell the truth, both to myself and to other people. Um, and because, you, you know, there can be, um, there can be acceptance, but it can also be costly to tell the truth. Yes. Right. This is, 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 you know, what am I, what price am I going to have to pay? Um, what am I going to have to sacrifice in right. order to tell the truth in order to live the truth? Right. And my, frankly, my childhood was, I, I found it kind of confusing, you know, because again, on the one hand, you know, my mom was this kind of loving person. You know, she, I like I said, she, she really, she really is an amazing soul. She really is. On the one hand, she's this kind, loving person, but on the other hand, she's, you know, very, and she, and, and, um, you know, but, but then the enforcer, that's, you know, like uh, what I call it, right. Um, she also hit this wonderful, which I take it on from her, of, of, she would say like on, on like a Saturday, let's go rambling. And. And so we just, you know, like driving and go and exploring and whatever. And so that um, is very much, I think, a part of too why I'm curious and like to explore, like to know, like to understand. And but because I found my childhood confusing, frankly, um, it, that had a lot to do with why I became a child psychiatrist. Frankly, my mother had a lot to do with why I became a child psychiatrist in the sense that she had some insights and some understandings about our family patterns um, in terms of who the women picked as mates. And so I think that, you know, her conversations with me about that as I was growing up and her, her conversations about, you know, experiences with her, in terms of her dad. And so me trying to get that understanding, it's, it's, it's so, it's, let me say this. It's what led me to become a child psychiatrist, but I didn't intend to become a psychiatrist at all. The interesting thing was also my mom was very, um, um, very open and very informative and very, you know, in terms of about being accepting of your own body. And this is, you know, sex and reproduction is just a normal part of the of the of the of the human body's functioning. And so you need to know what it is, and you need to understand, and you need to be responsible with it. And so in her talking to me about that, I was just like kind of awestruck about, you know, the beauty and wonder again of the development of a human life and bringing that life into the world. So initially my decision to become um, a physician, I was in, in what we call junior high school, was because I wanted to be an ob And oh. yes. <laughs> wow. I actually wanted to become an ob gyne and um, when I was in medical school and did the the rotation, I loved OB, but I didn't like gyne in the sense of I didn't like being a surgeon. Oh. I didn't like being a surgeon, didn't like the, you know, being on call every fourth night. I mm. So I like to have time to just sit and talk to people, right? Yeah. Talk, let us get chat, let's get to know, you know. Let me get to know who you are. And um, so, but, but my, but I, but my trusted, I had faith and trusted. I was like, okay, God, I don't know what's, what you got for me next. Cause I don't know where to go from here. And I, again, I'm not a worrier. So I was just like, it, it'll, it'll show up. 
I just knew that um, if internal medicine was all there was to medicine, I would have quit medical school. <laughs> so, uh, no, all these adults with these 99 problems and 99 medications uh, and just not really seeming to get well, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. So psychiatry is one of the required rotations. And uh, and so when I did the rotation, and also I could see the residents, right? I could see the residents and how they looked and how they the, the energy coming from them. And it was far more relaxed, right? And far less far more relaxed and at ease again i knew i had got a chance to talk to people i was like this so i'm like this is my flow right here in terms of being a psychiatrist this is my flow and right. uh, and so i think to me what that was a demonstration of again is i didn't know anything about psychiatry so i can't make a decision i can't choose what i don't know anything about but what i can do is choose what i do know and guess what it would, if I just do that to the best of my ability, it's going to take me where I need to go. Mm, interesting. Right. One thing that's niggling in my head, when you said you were confused. Yes. And that's why you chose it. Was it because your mother was kind and loving and an enforcer? Is that what you were confused about? Or was there something else that caused the confusion? It was, that was a part of it, but also the other, the other part of it was the fact that the way, the, here's the way I say it. I think everybody has their own brilliance and uh, what they are uniquely gifted mm -hmm. and, 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 um, and designed in purpose for. And while I knew I was, smart um it's really taken me until the last few years of one of my friends a few years ago said to me he's like do you realize that medicine is like like one of the most difficult career paths there is in this country and i was like really no actually i hadn't really thought about that uh, <laughs> i just did it i didn't think about that yeah Correct. Correct. And the, and so the other, uh, the other, the other part of that, and here's the other part too, um, cause I, I still want to go back to the childhood stuff, but I wanted to say this, not only that, but I was not only, um, in terms of, you know, academically gifted, but also athletically gifted. I was, mm also a college athlete and in high school I went to state uh, I you know, sure. um, actually, actually I was a, a, a thrower shot and discus thrower and and right and the interesting oh. thing from that was I actually started off as a sprinter and I was a really good sprinter but, but I'm also was kind of somewhat tomboyish I'm out playing football with the boys put a hit on one of the boys and jacked up my knee <laughs> yes <laughs> and Ouch. And, but the thing was, here's the other two, the beauty and the, the lesson in this, because I was more focused on the academics and not the athletics and not being a sprinter for me. And, and we went to see orthopedic surgeon and he said, basically go somewhere, sit down, don't play sports anymore. And I was I'm like, not going to happen. I didn't say that out loud, but I'm like, not going to happen. But because I wasn't attached to being a sprinter, I was like, and I was, I had also been a gymnast as let me find, figure out what else I can do. Right. And then that led me, my, my knee is damaged, right? My knee is damaged. I never had surgery, but I was damaged to the point where I couldn't run. And um, so I switched over to throwing. Like I said, you know, one conference, went to state and actually in college, you know, went to uh, division three nationals. Wow. Yes. So. So not only that, and then also, you know, I think what, what my friend was alluding to when he was talking about, do you know how the difficult medicine was? Yeah. Then I had the, but then I had the nerve to be a single parent with a daughter who was 11 months old when I started medical school. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. Wow. All right. So we, I, also, I, also, uh, I just want to wait, I just want to, because the reason I laid all of that out, because also okay. there's the confusion. Why is part of the confusion? Because I have really no understanding 
of my greatness. I'm just doing what I know how to do uh, to the best of my ability, even in terms of, you know, even in terms of uh, grammar school and high school. And again, this is just only some recent realizations as I've been looking back. When I was in third grade, myself and two of the boys got pulled out of class once a week in order to go to teacher's college. Oh. And, 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 but, but, and then we end up moving during the, during the school year, um, after the first semester. And so I didn't finish that, but again, I'm just doing what I'm doing. So I have really no understanding or appreciation of, again, how significant that is in terms of an indicator of, frankly, of my, of my intellect. And I always felt like I kind of had one foot in and one foot out as it related to, you know, my peers and it related to the kids that I was growing up with. I, um, you know, I love, I, I love people. So, you know, I played with them. I was, you know, it was nice and kind. We did the things that, you know, we do during the summers and, 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 you know, playing the dozens and some other things and playing softball and whatever else we were playing out on the, as we called it, the, um, we called it the circle. <laughs> You know, because we didn't know anything about a cul-de-sac. Oh. <laughs> we called it a dead end. Okay. But we, we, had, we were on a dead end, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, and then continuing when I get into into high school, now I'm on the advanced math track. And I started off, there was one other African-American female, but she and her family, they moved at the end of freshman year. So it's just me the remaining three years. I'm the only African-American in this advanced math track with which, you know, culminates in taking calculus and the AP exam in the, in the senior year. But again, you know, I, I have no understanding of that. And I think the, re the reason why I think that's so important is, again, it's been these last few years as friends of mine or other people, like somebody said, you're a rock star. I was like, who? Who? <laughs> Um, and it's, and I say that because number one, I think identity is so important and, and many of us don't know who we are. We, we are just doing what we know how to do to the best of our ability and not necessarily always realizing that there were, there were eagles sometimes flocking with, um, you know, sometimes flock, flocking with turkeys and judged as being a problem because we're not a turkey and um you know or a chicken or a dove or 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 what else and um i certainly see that in people who are high achievers they have they they have what i call they got the goods right they've got the they've got the um they've got the education they've attended you know, top 10, top 20 schools in the country. They, um, you know, they, they have the certifications, they have the, they have the tools, the skills, the, the, the knowledge, but because they compare themselves to other people that are their peers, um, they find themselves inadequate because they're not like them. Mm -hmm. So the, so the confusion was my sense of kind of when I say one foot in, one foot out, and kind of belonging, but not quite belonging, and and you know, and that got you know, and that got perpetuated when I went to Emory undergraduate because. Right. So, you, so save that thought because we're going to take our, we're we're going to take our we're we're past halftime. We got only fifteen minutes left, so I want to just do our halftime show with our sponsor, and then we'll come back and uh, and talk about what you're up to now. How's that? Okay. Right. Thank you. Has social emotional learning become just one more thing on your teacher's plates? Do teachers and students both find it boring and ineffective? then bring Kikori to your school. Kikori transforms classrooms through experiential SEL activities that help students play, reflect, connect, and grow. 
Even better, students say it's more fun than recess. Schedule a no-obligation conversation at kikoriapp.com slash bringkikori. K-I-K-O-R-I. Thank you again to our sponsor, Kikori. That's my daughter's voice. That was her voice in the commercial. And also, um, if you're feeling stuck or like you're not being real or having real talk, uh, that's what we can solve at realtalkwithhillary.com. Go there, check out the book, take the Real Talk quiz, and schedule a call with me, and we can get you unstuck. So welcome back. Dr. Valen A. Durr. So we've been covering a lot about you growing up with your mom, a little confusion, fitting in, comparison. Obviously, you have, you are brilliant and you have excelled and you are making a huge mark on the world with your spirituality and your framework and what you do. Uh, you know, just bringing the medicine and the spirituality together. So can we talk, I know that we could talk about a zillion things, but I want people to know like what you're to now, what your vision is, if you want to talk about it. Um, you know, what are you bringing to, you know, you have your own show and, and what what's your purpose in what you're doing? Because we, you know, we each have our own show. That was our, that was what we were doing with, uh, with our wonderful mentor, Ken D. Foster. And I just want to hear it from your voice. Like what, what is that passion of yours that you want to impart to the world? So, you know, earlier, Gorsa mentioned that if, if I do what I know how to do, it takes me to the next step and it'll right. get eventually the next step. And it'll eventually get me to where it is that, you know, that, that, um, that my, you know, that my soul, that, that my beautiful soul needs to go is what it's here to do. And, um, actually at the, uh, right before the break, I was actually saying that, you know, in Tinny Emory, um, I was one of 30 African-American students um uh and there were only 30 after out of how many um 850 850 so you were so there were 30 african americans you were one of them out of 850 so that's small percentage okay <laughs> tiny and yeah. you know the the college the the college was about 3200 or so then there was the university was there was 8000 and again, there's this, uh, to be honest with you, se severe sense of um, isolation and separation and, um, you know, trying to figure out this, how to do this in terms of, you know, college on this level. Again, not really understanding my, my own gifts and talents and my own brilliance and so by the time I, I just, by the time I finished college, I was really burnt out. Even though I knew I wanted to go to school, to medical school, I just I didn't have it in me. And I, I'm not even sure how this happened, but someone that I knew, Dr. Guy Seymour, introduced me to this coursework called LifeSpring. And and what's so interesting is, um, and one of the one of the classes because I did basic, advanced um, leadership and mastery that what was what's so interesting is the fact that um one of the trainers you know i'm sitting in the audience and one of the trainers she's an african-american female and this she's a powerful sister man i'm sitting there going i want to do that and then and then i said no 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 you know stay focused stay on the path we're going to medical school and little did i know that really I thought becoming a psychiatrist was the destination, but really a psychiatrist becoming a psychiatrist was was training and preparation to do that work 
I, you know, I call it in terms of, in terms of that being, being a trainer and um, uh, in terms of helping people demonstrate their greatest infinite potential. So what I, so what I do in terms of discovering my own journey and, and soul's, soul's path, because again, you know, at times, you know, I, and I, and I was just with people, I've had bouts of depression since probably high school. Um, definitely in residency, um, I, I, I was in the, was actually, um, the first year of residency, um, I was actually in a combined program doing pediatrics and every time I just break out of crying on the, on the unit, cause I was just miserable. And, um, I said, let me, let me switch and do psychiatry. And at one point when I switched to the psychiatry program, um, at the university of Florida, my attending, he said, and I'm talking, I was like, just really don't enjoy my work. So he's like, Bella, are you depressed? And I was like, um, I had to really get some thought because even though I was listening to myself, it sounded that way. And so um, the, 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 the reality is that there, what, what I know to be true, and I think in terms of what I know as a, as a child psychiatrist, that the the in, in my framework you know the souls that we are the higher self that we are we come here whole complete and perfect but i call it the layers of living takes over that that identity that's crucial um and identity is off it's like the foundation of the building then the building is off and so my work here is to help people remove those layers so that the the unique wonderful beauty uh creative being that they are already doesn't need to be fixed doesn't need to be healed none of that needs to happen to the the being that you are but the the trauma and and the life experiences that takes over that truth your true self you know, healing that and, and excavating that, removing that so that, um, so that again, you can demonstrate your unique, your infinite potential. The part that I try to help people understand is like I said, we, those being that spiritual being is in this, in this body. Well, what does that mean? That means that we have a brain, we have a body, we have thoughts, we have feelings. And, but the infinite potential that we are that inhabits this body has to flow through the gateway of a human brain in order to demonstrate that great infinite potential. The potential is infinite. It remains what it is, but what is our demonst what is my demonstration of it? Well, that has to come through both the organic brain itself, but also the thoughts I think. So I've developed this term in terms of mental wealth defined as brain health plus transformative thinking. And I offer practical tools and solutions from the intersection of mind-body medicine, science, and spiritual well-being to awaken and empower you to live out your infinite potential to live life in the sweet spot. And that's the name of Dr. Ballin's show, Living in the Sweet Spot. Yeah, words living in the sweet spot, yeah. and you know, and it's been it's been no. quite a journey. It's been yeah. yeah, it's been quite a journey. And I was just going to say, part of that began with my book, and the bounds on you. Yeah, we can say it. We can sing it your way. And so it's, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I know you've had conversations with God. I did want to, you know, there's so many things we could talk about, but um, I I do want to. Well, I want you to talk about everything. So I don't even know where to go because we got six minutes left. But um, when you first started having conversations with God, and that's what um, Dr. Durr has talked put in her book, like, did you know it was God? Were you like, who are you? Did you think it was your brain? Like, how did you know it was God? Oh, I did. So I did know. And again, again, here's the wonderfulness when um, we in our awareness are in tune and connected to um, the allness of, of life, right? Because in my, again, in my framework, God, higher self, energy, intelligence, whatever you want to call it, 
is is everything comes from that. So everything at its core is that. Whether you want to call it energy, whether you want to call it life force, it is that. And so what so what happened was I started. I had many years ago had read Conversations with God by by Neil Donald Walsh, and of course he had written those conversations down. So. And I'm um, having conversations, spiritual conversations with a couple of friends of mine. They're like, when is your book coming out? I'm like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and I would be be sitting up under the hairdryer and getting my hair done under the dryer. And I'd start contemplating and stuff would start coming to me. Right. And and then what happened was. Did you start basically, I had to start to clock in at work. And I was like, you know what? Tap on the shoulder. You better get moving. And, um, but the problem was I was so frightened because I didn't feel, I didn't feel, I don't have the education. I didn't go to seminary. I don't have the training. I don't have a mentor, all this I don't have. And, but, but I'm feeling compelled to start the writing. And, and in the process of writing, what happened was God joined me for conversations. And because of having read Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, I immediately started writing them down. And, um, and also the other thing too, is the reason how I started writing was because I said, I may not know how to do this because even in the publishing the book and royalties of whatever, whatever, I may not have to know how to do this, but my spirit knows how to do this. And by saying yes to my spirit, then the content started flowing like two weeks later. So, so it's, it's, and so, and then in the process of writing, God starts to join me for conversations. I start writing them down and really what the conversations about are how I'm, I'm an expression of God. I'm, he's like, you're me, I'm you, you're mine, I'm yours. You think that you have something to give up. Um, there's nothing to give up. You have, you have no idea, right? There's so much waiting for you here with me, through me. You call it the land of milk and honey. I call it forever. Yes, that's right. Forever. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, God is poetic. <laughs> you know, oh, and, and so it really wasn't your words. It was really coming through you, right? Um, the co the conversations with God, that's God having the conversation with me, his words and my words. And then actually chapter, uh, there's chapter 22 which was where God and I became one in this, in the, in the sense of it's called full bloom. I couldn't have written that by myself then nor now. And I was writing the expansion, what I thought was the expansion of another chapter. And I said, you know, I said, God, please help. I said, I said, my mind is so jumbled, cluttered, please help. And I wrote the first sentence. And then again, here comes the rest of it. And it's not, it's, it's not, wasn't, again, it wasn't like, it was really like we were, were one. Together, yeah. Right. And, you know, in that oneness, what I discovered, of course, that's really what communion is. It's union, it's oneness. But it's, it's in that, in knowing that um, I'm an expression of the creator, right? We all are, the water, the air, all of it is. So we're all the one appearing in our own individual form. So everything is the one in an infinite number of physical forms. But I also, in that oneness, in those moments, understood that I know what God knows. If I wanted to know where a star was, all I had to do is look at it, it would be right there, right? So it's it's um uh it's it's really about embracing my true identity, the truth of who I am. Trusting that, getting out the, as you the, made the reference to, the electrical fence of my fears that try to keep my body safe. But if my if the, my physical safety is what's important to me, if it's the priority, then my purpose will suffer. So it's the it's the it's the having my getting my my thoughts and my fears and my mind and my brain as healthy as possible. And so that they serve who I am as the as as this beautiful soul. Here, its own unique design and purpose to do it in a way that only I can. So we need not to be we need not to fear. We need not to be afraid. We just need to be willing to to live our truth, the truth of our being, walk our path, irrespective of other people understand us or not. 
right? We need to be truth tellers to ourselves. And, and before we can be truth tellers and demonstrate that to anyone else. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a powerful interview. Well, thank you. This is, uh, the infinite potential. And I love the way you say you don't know, but you know enough to go to the next step. And obviously you've been following your next steps and look at what you're doing for the world and what you're making available and the message from God and your book. I mean, it's just incredible. So I just, I, I commend you, you know, I don't know if anybody else listening, you know, has suffered some of the same situations as you, but obviously you, you know, overcame them and they made you stronger and you've taken all that past and used it, um, what you're bringing to the world so thank you for that thank you for who you are thank you for being on the show and is there anything you'd want to say in closing uh yeah so obviously if anyone wants to 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 reach me i'm on social media at balanadermd my website balanadermd.com uh please feel free to reach out to me really what i'm doing at this point is um trusting trusting my god self trusting the the wonderful being that I am, because um, as you can see, I mean, and it is it's the preparation to become what uh, I'm. You know, a speaker. I'm an author. I'm a poet. So we are able to demonstrate our wonderfulness in such so, in so many ways, so many creative ways, right? And um, everybody that I that I know has, has suffered some kind of hurt or trauma. And you can heal from that and you can have the greatest demonstrations of, of your infinite potential and live the life that you love, that you long for, uh, free yourself from the bonds of fear and conformity and mediocrity. If you will have one, the trust and the courage in your divine self to do what it calls you to do. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. If you're feeling stuck in any way, you can reach your infinite potential with Dr. Valen A. Durr at her website, as she said, or feeling stuck, go to realtalkwithhillary.com, do your little quiz and set up a call with me as well. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ballin. And this has been the Getting Real with Hillary show. Yes. Be truth tellers to people and know that, you know, know that I tell people just as somebody breaks your leg, they're responsible for breaking it. But because it's your leg, you're responsible for healing it. So, you know, do what you need to do to get your healing. Be a truth teller for yourself and for other people demonstrating, demonstrating your greatest infinite potential. Thank you.